Hi, my name is Suze Giddens, and I am a coach and breathwork facilitator. And I am partnering with your host of the Recovery Plus podcast, Dr. Maylee Hennon. And before we get started on today's podcast, I wanted to come on and announce that Recovery 10X is the project that Dr. May and I are partnering on. We are so excited to bring this to you, and we are having our very, very first live event. So you may be curious about what Recovery 10X is about. Please check out Dr. May's Instagram page, or you can go to the Recovery 10X Instagram page to learn a little bit more. But essentially, it's about creating an environment, creating a world where people who are in recovery or sober curious or substance-free can really come in and 10X their life. Thrive. It's no longer just about being in recovery or being substance-free. It's about thriving and going to heights in our lives that we just never even imagined possible. And our very first event is coming where we want you to come live the values of Recovery 10X, which are having fun, creating connection. And our very first Recovery 10X buzz session, the topic is let's talk about sober curiosity. What does it mean to be sober curious? How have you done it? What are the results? How is it helping you thrive in your life? And what are some of the obstacles? If you are interested in joining us for this event, it is coming up Saturday, February 25th at 8 a.m. Pacific time on Zoom. Please reach out to either Dr. May on her Instagram at reddrmaylee and ping her. She'll happily give you the Zoom link to our free event. Or you can reach out to me at OPI Coaching. Again, my name is Suze Giddens and I will happily give you the Zoom link to our event. We do have limited seating because we want everyone in the container to have a voice and be able to connect with each other. So reach out quickly. We are having seats disappear every single day. And if this session is interesting to you, but you're not available, reach out and let us know. And we'll be sure to invite you to our up other upcoming events. And now let's go ahead and get started with our Recovery Plus podcast for the day. Dr. May, take it away. Welcome to Recovery Plus Podcast. Fuck yesterday, focus on today. I'm your host, Dr. May Lee Hannon. Here, we celebrate and honor people in recovery one conversation at a time. Let's talk. Welcome back. This is episode 34. My next guest is Joey Pagano. Joey holds an MSW, LSW, and CRS. Joey is also an educator and is currently pursuing his doctorate of social work. He's a licensed social worker, therapist, professor, and a certified recovery specialist with over a decade of experience in the drug and alcohol field. He's also a recovering addict, a speaker, and is an author of three books, including his most recent book, No Addict Left Behind, It's a Recovery Medicine State of Mind, which will be released on April 25th, 2023 online. Joey's story encompasses hope, pain, hell and back, and how his family never gave up on him. And with that resilience, he has become a beacon of hope for his community and for others seeking a path and recovery. Take a listen. Hi, Joey. Thank you for coming on my podcast. I'm just glad to be here. So what did life look like before recovery for you? Well, I always say uh, 
a good line that describes it very good, lets people conceptualize it better. It's just like hell isn't just a place that people can go. It's what I carried around for 22 years. Okay. Oh, it's wow. uh, it, it was, it was dark times. You know, I, 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 I can't ever get this stuff. It, it's like buried in my heart and in my spirit and in my soul. You know, I, it was just waking up in the morning and, and the disease of addiction was kind of like a drill sergeant. And it just, you know, it just told you to, to wake up and it just told you to get dressed and it told you to eat when you had to eat. And if it didn't tell you to eat, you didn't eat. And I just marched out and, um, and lived in this addiction. And, and it was just, you know, it controlled me for, for 22 years, you know? Um, so it, 22 years is a long time to be in hell and to carry hell. What happened for you as you progressed at the end of those 20 years? What, what helped you get out of that grasp? You know, it, it, there was times where I, I didn't think I was going to get out. Um, right. It was just, you know, we talk about hope. Hope is something that, you know, I, I remember I'd, I'd walk past and I, and I would see families you know, see families walking down the street holding hands and, and see children and I and I miss my I miss my son and, and I and I missed, you know, just just that love and that flow of, of life energy from one person to another. And and like I, I just didn't have that, you know, and it uh it, it just consumed me. And and I had to have, you know, during that time and I get little little glimpses of hope. I see that and I, I know maybe, maybe I have a chance. Maybe I can just get out of this, this never ending vicious cycle and, and be able to break that and, and just make something out of my life. And, and I would just get that hope. And, and I, you know, I'd go into, uh, you know, I go into my town and I just talk to some of my old friends and, and some of my friends were doing well and some of them not. Um, but I would, uh, you know, I would learn from them and, you know, but I had to have my moment of clarity. I had to have some, you know, my hard won experiences. I had to get to those bitter ends of life as I knew it, um, as as an you know as an addict in active addiction. I, I I had to get to that that bottom that that you know that end game where uh, I I just had to quit getting busy dying and, and start getting busy living. Oh, that's beautifully said, and it's chilling the way you put it it's like getting busy to 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 live but staying in that dying mindset um mm. and you mentioned that moment of clarity at what point did you go i'm gonna live i mean you wanted to off and on mm. for 20 plus years and glimpses of hope listen I, I i wanted i wanted to be clean i wanted to do well and um this is the moment that changed my life forever. It was, uh, I woke up in the morning at my house, but I was there at the time and I got up, um, cause mo mostly I, I lived in abandoned minimums. I call them, you know, mm. abandoned <laughs> houses, you know, <laughs> and I, um, uh, I got out and, um, the disease says, get up, Joey, you're going to march and you're going to go and you're going to get your drugs and you're going to get high and you're going to do whatever it takes. And I just said, yes, sir. And I marched out of the house. It was about, I say about 9 a.m. in the morning. And I I got out um, wearing the same clothes I've been wearing probably for a month, you know, um, eating, surviving. 
you know, and, and that's really what I was doing, surviving on um, like candy and, and junk food. Um, so I got out, I marched down, marched down the street. Uh, I live in a small neighborhood, a small town called Shalleroy, suburb of Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. town of 3,000 people. Everybody knows everybody. So I walked down and, and the disease just, just like, just yelling at words and just, just keep yelling at me. You know, it's like the left side of my brain is, is telling me to do something. And the right side of my, my brain is just, is just trying to buy it, you know? And, and, and my brain is just like, like hot wired and the disease of addiction is going at me and I keep marching and, um, I go down and, um, uh, like I said, as I, 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 I was tired and, and, and I got to this gas station and uh, the disease says, listen, you're going to go in there and you're going to get money because you got to get high and you can't be dope sick today. And I just said, nope. I, and, and, I, and I was crying and I, I just I couldn't take it no more. I, I didn't want it. I didn't, I didn't want this anymore. And, and, and I was I was literally just contemplating just killing myself at that time. Like suicide was very attractive when the disease of addiction got right. you wrapped up in the grips. Mm-hmm. And I knew I knew that I, that 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 I, I just I didn't know what to do. Right. And I just had like all this ambiguity. Right. I, I just I marched across and I went inside and, and, you know, I didn't have a weapon or anything like that. And I just put my hood up. Right. And, and that's why I said I'm in this town where everybody knows me anyway. Mm-hmm. But the disease says nobody knows you, Joey. Get right. in there. Right. Get in there. And I, uh, I robbed the store. I, I came out, you know, I'm running. I ran out and I ran back down the street. And, and you know, I knew it was um, I was down at the end of the road. And uh end of my road and I, uh, I I kept going down I went about seven blocks down and I sat down on the, I sat down on the sidewalk um, I still had a phone you know uh, you know this is back in 2013 ish mm-hmm. uh, where I, you know what phone I had but it was barely working and uh, I sat down and I I was I was ready at that moment I was ready to kill myself. I was ready to end my life. It wasn't worth living because the disease was going to wake me up the next day and say, keep marching. What do you think we're done? Mm. And, I knew, and I knew it. And I, I sat, you know, I was already sitting down and, and I tried to get up. I couldn't get up. I'm sweating profusely. I pick up the phone. I say, uh, I call my mom. Oh, I said, uh, mom, uh, um, um, this is going to be the last time you're going to talk to me. I gotta, I gotta end my life right now. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, but I, I gotta go. And she's screaming and no, and no. And I'm like, I, I gotta go. Cause it's getting worse and I can't stop using. I, 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 I got it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you know, and, and, I, and I don't know every single word I said, but I know I was conveying a message and I was a failure and I was killing myself and she was screaming and I just hung up. And I knew my mom and, and, and I, I knew my mom would worry, but like, that wasn't, that, that wasn't, that wasn't a port, importance on my mind at that time. Right. And, and the phone was down and, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And um, the next thing I know is I just felt like I was carried across the street. Now I was, I was sitting across the street from the police station. It was right across the street and I felt carried across the street. And myself, but when I was really walking and, and with no power of my own, I don't know what just happened, mm-hmm. but like I just walked and I, and, and I just kept walking and I, and I went in the side entrance of the police station 
you know, barely can move my legs, pouring in sweat. And I went in there and I said, um, you know, officer, there was a chief in there and there was another officer. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't stop using drugs. Uh, please help me. I can't stop. I'm going to kill myself. And, uh, and, and they, what's going on, Joey? You know, and I, and I, I said, please just, just arrest me. I was robbed the gas station. I, I, I'm about to end my life. If I don't stop using, if you don't help me, I'm going to kill myself. Wow. And they arrested me and, and, and arraigned me and I've been clean ever since. Oh my God. And I, and I know that you share this story a lot and, and, but What's it like to keep telling the story that is so pivotal in your life at this point now? And what it, uh, story's part of me, like you said, and, and I have shared it a lot of times, and, uh, it's, it's, it's like part of my heart and I, and I, and I gotta go there sometimes. Yeah. I gotta go there. And, and I don't want to forget that. I don't want to forget that moment. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've told this story, um, not only many times, but, you know, I've told it to other people in, in, in moments, in, in, in moments of their clarity. Um, you know, I, I put this moment in my book, right? I, I wrote a book called No Addict Left Behind. It right. shares a lot of these experiences. I'm sure I'll go into that, That's right. but it's very pertinent at this moment because um, there's times where I tell it in, 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 in different, in various platforms. And uh, I remember driving through town and, uh, you know, and I seen this, I seen this lady on the side of the street and she was disheveled standing there and, uh, right. I work in recovery. I'm, I'm, I'm working in the trenches. I'm trying to help people. So I'm in the field a lot, you know, even as management, I'm, I'm just always trying to help. And I seen this lady and, mm -hmm. um, and she was standing there and she has some kind of domestic issue. And I, uh, I got out, I thought I knew her. Um, and she was, sitting there pretty much on the same it, it like it like looked like me it looked like me in that wow. same moment ready to kill myself so it's it was like i i needed to pull over i needed to talk to her and i uh you know long story short like i ended up telling her that story in that moment you know i ended up telling her what happened and and it was like a moment of clarity for her and she was going through her own situation and 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 like it was so ironic how that you know like it, it's just like i'm put in these places to tell these stories so people can can like use that message as a vehicle and like hope is like a, 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 a you know a principle that like is transferred from me to her sure. as if like that moment um there was nobody there but but for whatever reason like an ounce of hope must have been in my heart and and, and just to feel carried across that road because mm -hmm. i was ready to kill myself and uh I think, I think, you know, it happened in a way where, uh, I got to share it mm -hmm. and I got to share it. There's always going to be moments and there where my story is beneficial to another human being. Um, just like someone else's story, um, you know, helps me at, at some point in time. So that's why I share it. Yeah. You and know? you mentioned it's part of you, right. And, yes, and yes. folks in recovery do that. They tell their story. Yes. Not just to compare which is worse, but really to to get to know yes. that there's a way out. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nobody who's in recovery dead. You can't be in recovery dead. It just doesn't work. And you were almost, well, you were living dead. 
Yes. Right? Yeah. And for a really long time, and somehow you got pulled, and you're like, mm. you guys need to help me. And mm. what's it like, you know, back then to ask for help? Mm. Mm. It's so hard. Right? It's so hard because you don't have any <laughs> feelings. And, and like I said, is the best description to me and I hope listeners could can identify is is like it's almost like the disease is like that drill sergeant and it's just oh, giving yeah. orders and and he's like Joe you ain't ask you're not you're not asking for help and I just and I just listen and I sh and I put on my suit every day and I showed up for duty and I marched right. to the beat of the drum of addiction and there was no asking for help because you know um, there was no feelings and and like help. Me asking for help meant I had to have some ounce of hope. And there was a lot of days where there wasn't any hope. Right, right. There just wasn't. And people around you, were they trying to help you along this path? Or did it feel just very lonely that you almost had to just like fall out to get back up? Mm. I, th I, I think it both. I mean, yeah. so many times I fell down. So many times I... I you know, so many times I had to walk through uh, some situations, some hard won experiences, and 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 so many times people had to cut me off, right? Like I burn bridges. Um, you know, I, I I talk about my mom. My mom is one of those uh, a divine appointments. My mom is one of those persons. My mom is just one of those persons that like carried me through, right? She never gave up on me, but she herself like in there was a there was points where i was so toxic yeah. and, and and i was just sucking the life out of her and where i was going to take her down i mean you heard that moment yeah just like i couldn't i can't fathom my son or my daughter calling me mm -hmm. in that situation I, I can't even imagine it like it's like your heart would just they're just ripping it out right like and then I just left her there and hung up. So if I was a father, that's pretty much telling me that their their child is committing suicide at that moment. Right. There's nothing you could do. I didn't tell her exactly where I was at. Like you're a parent, you want to go save them, but you're powerless. You know, and, and I burned that bridge. And, and just looking at those were the moments. And that wasn't the only time right. that I that like, right, I, I burned the bridge. Wait, wait, I like burned it again, then I blew it up. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? That is the truth. And, and mm -hmm. I remember when my mom, see, she was able to use my pain and become stronger. You know, and I and I put a lot of that in my book where my mother learned how not only, you know, she always loved her son right? She was always there, but she learned how to, dis she learned the principle of discernment and she learned how to craft that to where I'm going to love you, but I'm going to love you from way over there. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And it blows my mind because I didn't teach her that. She had to pretty much learn through the pain. She, she had to learn from when the bridge got right, right. When I'm just, burnt, you know, blowing everything. Right. She had to learn how, okay. Um, he hurt me the 5,000th time. Um, I know it's going to be hard, but something got to be done, right? 
I mean, when I when I overdose next to her sitting on our swing in our back porch, oh. and and that's like a horrible moment where I, I included that in the in a chapter about uh just a, a parent not giving up and where she's screaming out to God like save him I'm dead paramed like all this stuff is happening like like when's enough enough for a parent right and, and and like I said but she didn't give up on me she learned to love me. And then she pushed me aside and eventually just says, you got to go, you know? And my father's like, like you're hurting our family. You got to go. So my mom, you know, she learned that. And, uh, you know, for any parent listening to, to what I'm sharing, um, that's not easy. And, but if you want to live through those situations, um, without doing like that and without like understanding discernment and while without just being able to apply that in those situations where you unconditionally loved your child, like my mother and father did, um, it's your child's going to suck you in. Um, seems like an impossible situation where you love them, but you have to let them go. They had to let you die almost. It sounds like out of love. Yeah. Yeah, and it's how did one do that? So hard, so hard. But I mean, it's that's the only answer, mm -hmm. and, and I know that. I mean, just it's it's a lot easier for me to uh, you know I I have to do that every day at my job, and I have to just I mean I'm skilled in that right. from like all different experiences, right. right? Sure. But you know I'll talk to mothers. Listen, I I uh, my <laughs> I talked to mothers today and. Uh, my mother also, uh, you know, used what happened with us. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. She works at a hospital, a local hospital, and uh, parents would turn to her oh. and ask them. You know, she would like Cindy, like how how do you, how do you survive this? And she'd become hope. My mom would be ah. this beacon of hope. You know, where she'd be able to. She should write a book. You know what I mean? <laughs> I told my mom. My mom should write a book. Because, and it would sell because like <laughs> parents are collateral damage right? where you don't hear enough, right? No. It's, it's, it's addiction, right? One person uses the whole family suffers and that's the truth. And, but she became that. And, and like, <sighs> there was a lot of experience. Listen, I, <laughs> this happened to me and I threw this in the book too. Mm -hmm. Um, I was in the hospital. I, I had like, uh, I thought it was some cardiac issues. This is maybe, uh, maybe eight months ago and uh something like that and i was uh i was i, I wasn't it, it ended up not being cardiac issues it was stress right i, I do too much mm -hmm. so i got, they rushed me in you know uh, my dad had a history of a heart attack so they rushed me in you know just because of that i'm laying there you know laying there they're doing ekg and the next thing you know this lady comes in and she she was an ekg tech and she i just remember she had like these purple eyeshadow like it was a deep <laughs> eyeshadow and comes out of nowhere comes in right and and like you know anything cardiac in the hospital you got everybody it's madhouse right, right? Yeah. It's, it's 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 time it's time sensitive so this lady comes in and it was like there was like time stopped and she comes over and I, I just remember those eyes. I'll never forget them. And that's why I put it in the book. And mm -hmm. it's just like, she grabs my hand and she said, are you Joey Pagano? I said, what? Yes. The physician, like they, they stopped too. <laughs> and uh, she grabs my other hand, right? Cause she was putting like patches on me for an EKG, but she stopped that and she's holding my hands. And she said, I just want to thank you for trying to help my son.
She said, trying to help my son get through. He didn't make it, but you tried to help him get clean. Wow. And now I know I talk to your mother all the time and she'd help me get through moments. And the whole room is silent, right? Wow. The whole room is silent in the ER that was just a madhouse. Right. All you hear is the beep, beep, beep. And then she just comes back or she stands back and she just looks me in the eyes and she says, never stop doing what you're doing. She says, you're not going to die today, Joey. She says, you're okay. She says, and I love you for that. And she says, and your mom is a beacon to me. That's who my mom, and I, that's who we've become, wow. especially my mom. Like I said, she's become someone that someone's turned to, right? I don't remember that person, nor <laughs> how it even happened or what I did. But all I know is I was putting these experience, I was putting these positions, right? With these experiences that I can't even explain mm -hmm. where I was, I was the hope to her, I guess, at one point. And my mom was also, and my mom learned through moments, just like me sitting across the, the, the street and, wow. and, you know, and scaring her. I think that's a, an amazing story because you're right. We don't hear that side of a parent's voice of fear because being a parent, as you know, with your children to get that call, you know, and like you said, your mom's pain became her strength and yeah. that strength turned into that hope. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, and so now that you're here and you're doing all these things, like it was a moment of clarity that, that helped you, the love of your family that helped you. What other things helped you to d just be one and done? Like once you decided that moment of clarity that you're never going to use again, and you haven't. Or how you know, do you stay stopped now? Right? I mean, I, I have to work on myself so much. And that's such, such a good question. You know, um, you know, you talk about uh, how do I stay stopped? Listen, like, Actually, prior to me even coming to this podcast uh, show, I, I was literally just working on myself. I had like Reiki healing, uh, I, 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 all these different stuff I have uh -huh. because um, just like that moment, I knew I knew that I had to be a beacon and I had to be and I had to continue to help people. And I and, and, and I was saved for like there was a reason like I had to continue mm -hmm. and I've been running on that theme right since i'm nine and a half years clean right and i just been wow. continually doing what i have to do i mean it started uh i i just knew i had a purpose i knew i had a purpose and, and that purpose i didn't know what it was but i knew i had it you know and um uh, i i just continued to to you know one thing after another uh i listen i i got a car you know it, it was it was buying a car i i I became the president of this nonprofit uh, recovery group. Uh, I I wrapped the car this big. It, it was I was like the recovery soldier. <laughs> uh -huh. Listen, I had this uh, Dodge Dart, this red Dodge Dart. My wife still has it, and I got it <laughs> wrapped with this like this big phoenix, like rising, like an wow. attic rising. I had these hands <laughs> on the roof. I would chase down people on the streets. I would, I was like a recovery cowboy. And, I mean, <laughs> 
people like if you were using drugs in in the in the we call it the mon valley uh-huh. it was the uh it, that's where i lived right mm-hmm. shallower in the mon valley it, it surrounds a, a river called the monongahela river so it's the mon valley mm-hmm. um, a lot a lot of small town suburb of pittsburgh so if you were getting high in the Mon Valley, I was just chasing people down, just trying to help you. Most of them like, we don't want to see this guy. Right. It's like, guy's oh. crazy. yeah. So, you, you know, you, you summit early in recovery. You're, you're, I was on fire. So I kept running and, and people like they did. They thought I was crazy. <laughs> this guy ain't going to last. And I'm still clean today. And uh, I was running around helping people take right before Pennsylvania has these things called centers of excellence, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Governor Wolf. Um, you know, our prior governor created these due to the opioid epidemic. And, uh, you know, I was doing that, right. I was doing that with club serenity, which is our recovery group, which we, you know, expanded and created, um, prior, there was no center of excellence. We were doing that before they did like before. Well, that's where I work now, but, Uh but Uh we were doing that prior to that. I'm running people down. You need treatment. Fine. You know what I mean? I'm barely making gas. I'm going to travel two hours. You know, people are looking at me like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm living, I'm living. And I kept, I kept helping. And, uh, next thing, you know, like I started like my associate's degree and, and I'm running in school. Um, and then like, right. Governor Wolf creates the centers of excellence. Um, you know, I, you know, there's a, I never even applied for the job I have. Like they knew what I was doing, like somehow <laughs> I'm on the news and all this stuff, you know, uh, and then like I'm putting you in another position where, you know, it's just pe- people, they, these two ladies are uh, Rita Nichols and, and Cheryl Emma call me right there. Uh, uh, Rita is now a past employee and then Cheryl is now the uh, chief operating officer of Southwestern Pennsylvania Human Services, SPHS. Behavioral Health Agency in Southwestern Pennsylvania. So they come down to Club Serenity, they make an appointment, and they, this, this is funny. Um, so I always joke about this now because I never applied. They come in there. I'm the president of Club Serenity. I'm sitting back in my office. They said, Mr. Pagano, they said, uh, you know, asked me about my job. And that, that sounds similar. Like we have these things called a center of excellence. We want you to come work for us and uh, and get paid i says i don't want paid and i'm not i don't want any money i want to continue doing what i'm doing i'm going to just help people we want to pay you and that was a whole argument i refused to get paid then huh i remember i stepped outside well they left i stepped outside and uh in our facility i looked up on the wall and there's a big sign that said expect expect a miracle and i said uh Maybe I should take the job. I took the job and that was history. And, and like I said, is that was an agency that I was a client. That was an agency that I was an intensive outpatient, right? That was an agency that I was going there high. Um, I now, you know, run and supervise, right? A, a big mm-hmm. drug and alcohol program there, um, which is a center of excellence. So, wow. and, and right, I got my bachelor's, I got my master's, I got my license, bachelor's degree. I got my license, social worker uh, license. Uh, what else? Well, um, you're going for your doctorate too, right? Yeah, In that, I mean, oh. <laughs> I mean, it just, I just keep, I keep going through these, like, like, it's just like one barrier after nothing. You know, why don't I do it? Right. I, I, I didn't have a chance. I was ready to kill myself across the street that day. Right. I didn't plan for any of this stuff. Um, if I would have had it my way, when that phone hung up, 
we wouldn't be talking here. Joey Pagano would be a mere memory in uh, maybe not even a memory in our community. A statistic. Um, yeah. And like, like wow. majority. And, and we, you, you see the data. I see the data. It's, right. you know, not many people, uh, not many people make it. No. Not many people make it. And, and you shouldn't have. <laughs> and, yeah. and just pure, just the, the basics of how severe your addiction had gotten. Most yeah. people don't. What's, I would also like to add, you know, when we talk about recovery and, and making this choice, some people yeah. feel it wasn't a choice, it was a calling. For you, was it a pretty significant choice that you're going to be done? It was a, it was a moment that, and, and I, think, I think surrender means stuff. It, it means something different to everybody. Sure. You know, I, I know when people get clean, um, you know, they have, I hear that, well, that's my clean date and that's my surrender date, you know, and I, and I can get with that. Like, and that completely makes sense to me. Um, you know, June 1st, 2013 is my clean date. Mm -hmm. And I, and I got to believe that June 1st, 13 was my surrender date. Also, it was a moment where I embodied the decision where I knew I was done. Wow. And it's just a moment where I knew in my heart that if I kept using, you know, or I was going to kill myself or I was just going to live in some, you know, uh, dereliction forever and, and maybe, you know, be like some of the people I see walking around town, um, just stock, stock in addiction. They can't even, not that they want to pass, but they're, they're, you know, they don't even pass. They just continue to use and, and there's shells of a, of a, of a human. Right. Because they're carrying their hell, as you were mentioning yeah. at the beginning yes. and Thousands and hundreds of thousands of people do that. And, you know, what's amazing is once that choice came and you shared with with us a little bit, once that choice was done, made, all these things began to happen. It sounds the way you sound that share it. It sounds like magic. OK, just yeah, just to be was. clear, is, is that what you say? <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I was just sharing that with someone. I, I, I don't have any, any other explanation because, you know, when I tell this story, it, it does. I mean, and even me just repeating it to myself. Right. I agree with you. It's magic because it's just, it was just one, like these doors just keep opening. They just keep opening. Right. I, I told you how, like I ended up at the club serenity and then like yeah. I, I, I left there. Right. Like I had too many responsibilities. So I, I left there. I helped write. Listen, I, I just, I just walked through doors. Listen, like that club serenity or recovery group. Right. I, I used to, go to the council, city council and advocate for us. And nobody else wanted to. I'm like, I'll do it. I went there and advocated for addicts to, we needed recovery housing, right? Like, wow. you know, I, I look at like my, uh, like the systems theory, right? We look at like our social work, uh, social work and I, I, people can't survive if they're going back to the Thames toxic environment. So like, right. and I wasn't a social worker at that time, but I knew, I knew from my life experience. So I advocated for that. Listen, I had no legal experience. I, I, I wasn't right. I, I didn't write grants before, but you know what I did? I watched a lot of YouTube and I watched YouTube and I taught myself how to write grants how to file 501c3s and i taught myself legal work from watching youtube i wrote the grants i helped uh with the first recovery house that club serenity had right i wrote the i wrote all this stuff i i, I formed us the 501c3 in, in in a few days from watching youtube and like 
I, I couldn't even make this stuff up. And so like, it's, you know what I mean? And next thing I know, like we're a fully functional, uh, and it wasn't like all myself, but like I had like pivotal people that sure. like helped yeah. me at each point, right? I had like Mindy McCloy, Lee Roberts, Mark St. Cyr, my wife, you know, my, my, she wasn't my wife at the time, Jody Pagano. And like, we were like a crew and uh, we all had the same mission and we were all on the same path and we were recovery cowboys. You know, I and I'm advocating at the at the city council, right? And they they didn't want to talk to any addicts, <laughs> right? <laughs> but you got me in a suit and tie going up there, and, and I I think I could speak well. So it was, and they knew my last name, right? My my I come from a town where my my family at Paganos we had a shoe store. We, we were known as the town of shoe stores and theaters. We had a whole bunch of them, <laughs> and my my grandpa's shoe store. Um, uh, you know, it was called Pagano's and it was there for 50 years, famous shoe store. And my grandpa, same name as me. And it's kind of why I go by Joey, you know, I respect my grandfather and, uh, um, you know, he'd be proud of me if he seen me now, but they knew me and they knew that's all they, they, they knew. They were Joey Pagano. And, you know, you're from a town like, oh, he's the addict and everything. No, I'm the guy advocating for addicts today. I'm the guy that now is trying to make a difference. You know what I mean? I'm the guy. <laughs> that listen, I'm not gonna back down no matter what happens. And I didn't stop, you know, I mean, I I, I didn't stop. And, and, and I didn't stop until, you know, my, my life would change, right? The magic changed, the magic changed. And then I, next thing I know, I step back from Club Serenity. Um, you know, it's, it's now fully functioning, right? We have like three, they're working on the fourth recovery house and, wow. and you, you know, and, and, and I love seeing it. I love seeing that stuff come to fruition. I love it. Cause I know that I was part of it. I was there for a reason and I was there for a season in that, in Club Serenity. And, um, and now they're, you know, they're, they're, they're kicking butt, they're taking names and I'm watching that, that, that nonprofit flourish. So, you know, and I got pushed in a different direction. Um, you know, I, I continue to grow in my education. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I, I, I stepped in like, right. I got married, uh, me and my wife are both in recovery. Um, we're, you know, we're all in school here, you know, <laughs> kids, um, right. The, the magic change. And I got pushed into a different direction. And, uh, I got a god. I got a god. A fourteen-year-old, right? I got a god in a in, in a time where uh, drugs are very prevalent, right? Now we got drugs and bullying and all this stuff. So now I'm trying to, uh, you know, that's the season I'm in, and 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 I'm in like a different direction. I'm, you know, uh, and, and like I said, I'm a I'm a mental health drug and alcohol therapist. Like I wear all these different hats, so I'm just trying to help people uh, just in different ways today. I mean, that's amazing how the one choice opens all these opportunities. And I think it's important to acknowledge it doesn't come easy, but it can come. It could yes. be simple. It doesn't have to be so complicated. But you were willing, it sounds like, to listen mm -hmm. to the help. And I think that's one of the challenges in our work is when someone's not willing to listen, mm -hmm. then they can't change. But you got downtrodden so hard that you're like, arrest me right now, or I'm yeah. going to put myself down. Yeah. So you got, so you were listening and you were open. Mm. 
then all these other opportunities happen. And I, and I think that's really amazing because, as you know, this disease, mm-hmm. you know, makes your think, thinking pattern and your brain like an asshole. Like it's going to yeah. tell you all sorts of stuff that yeah. is just wrong. You know, mm-hmm. did you, I'm sure just by sheer being human, a lot of those thought patterns, still addictive patterns, happened even when you stopped using. Yes. Right. So how did you shift from those behaviors or what were some of the biggest ones that you got to shift because of your choice to stay clean? I mean, I, I, I think it's like a never ending process, right? I sure. think recovery is always like subjective and, and it's like fluid. Um, so and, and that's why I mentioned that Reiki, like I, I have to do I have to continually work on myself, right, for, for my relationship with my wife to thrive. Right. We have to, we're both in recovery. We're both stressed. Um, we, you know, we have our own hobbies. We have teenage daughter. Right? I don't have to say any more than that. Right. <laughs> you know, we have all these things sure. that cause us stress, especially like we work in recovery. We work in the trenches where it's very, very stressful. She's a blended case manager right now. Um, and, and right on the supervisor, of the drug and alcohol program. So, um, we have things we have to do. Um, and that's why I said, I, I have, I, I, right now I have to do self-care, right? Last night I got a massage. Nice. Um, okay. I did, I did a therapy, my own therapy session, right? I, I, I got a massage today. I had some right, uh, Reiki healing, um, with my good friend, uh, uh Cheryl Emila. Um, right. I have mentors in my life and, and who I just said, Cheryl, she's also the, the chief operating officer of SPHS. She's one of our best friends and wow. she's really good at self-care. So I have some friends that are really good with self-care that help us in that department. Right. Mm-hmm. I, uh, mm-hmm. I have like rocks in my life that like some people that are on the same path that I turn to. I have my personal recovery, my 12 step fellowship in, in my personal. So I have all these different, right? I have my my spiritual sense, you know what I mean? I have my That's relationship great. with God and all the different things I do that I have to keep in tune with. So I have to, it, it's like in prayer and meditation and self, it's just, I have, I mean, because I, I work in like the dangerous spots. I, I well, know, yeah. Jody, not so much anymore, but when you're at the center of excellence, like we go in with majority of people in pre-contemplation, right? Right. They, they don't see any issues at all. They're in this, and I work in this county called, it's called Green County. I got moved there. It's a town called Waynesburg. It's uh, the southernmost, southwesternmost co- uh, county in Pennsylvania. Very rural. It's right next to the border of West Virginia. Okay. So it's so rural that i mean you have there's lack of resources sure um i'm out in the field i'm way out in the field trying to hunt people down just literally yeah literally literally so it's hard and and i go in spots where you know there's paraphernalia 24 7. i go in spots where like my my employee and i like we need to we need to feel safe so i mean that that's a whole nother level that's a whole nother level. It's like I get out of that situation. Um, and if I don't feel safe, like right, I'm still an addict and I'm mm-hmm. not immune to, uh, you know, syringes or, or like that feeling in my gut. Right. Because like I could instantly go back to that sidewalk. I could instantly go back to that moment with just one glance instantly mm-hmm. go right back. Client looking at me, pinned eyes, knowing they're high, you know, all the different I can go. Whew, right back right back and just like 
you know, oh, where am I, you know, and, and that could hurt me. So I have to take precautions at my job, right? I have to maybe call my my 12-step sponsor, maybe go to prayer, maybe go to meditation, maybe call my wife, right? She's my, we're like Bonnie and Clyde, right? She got me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and she, you know, like I call her we work in recovery. So we always got to be like, got each other's back. Right. Um, so like, I have to do all that along with what every, every other practitioner does. So I have like that whole nother level, which makes it so much harder. Right. Know? But so much deeper. Also, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. you got, you got cred. Okay. <laughs> Just a lot of street cred, but you know, I love that you're talking about this because a lot of folks, um, in the field are in recovery. You know, yes. we, you go to treatment facilities and a lot of the case managers or clinicians are in recovery. That's just the nature of the beast. And it's great to get your perspective on like self-care is not just about self-care to care for more and have more capacity Mm -hmm. to do more and give more because you Mm -hmm. would do that even without (laughs) self-care, right? It's it's vital. Right. But it's vital to, for you to be standing, mm. for you not to go back to that hospital mm. to get that EKG, right? So there's this balancing act that I think uh, folks are needing to hear, and, and it's great that you're talking about that because most folks feel so grateful. I mean, gratitude is really, really big, mm-hmm. right? And gratitude lists and making gratitude and thinking, being grateful. And there's science behind that that helps reduce mm-hmm. stress too. But mm-hmm. there's also something about being appreciative, I think, yes. where like a lot of people, I'm sure, appreciate you and mm-hmm. and you, I bet, appreciate the things that you've been able to garner from your experience. So I'm so glad that you talked about how to do self-care, not just to be more for other, yes. but just to be healthy for you. You, you got to. And, and like I said, I just, and, and I want you to know this, like I, I work very hard, but just sometimes I, I, I slack, you know, that moment. And, I, and, I, and I'll be transparent to you, like that moment where I was in the hospital with that lady, like, right. like the balancing act, I failed with the balancing act. Like I was there because, right, I was stressed. And sometimes you know, stress does get you. And uh, it's it's just so, it's always fluid, right? I'm always, I'm always juggling and it makes it really hard. So I'm really working hard. I'm I'm like on overdrive, right? Right now with Mm -hmm. self-care, right? We have a jacuzzi here. Um, We invested in that because it's, Listen, that's my wife says, that's my baby. We gotta take care of that. <laughs> and you you're know? like, yes, I will. <laughs> yes. I think that's but great. And and I think that kind of gets into my next question. How do you mm. celebrate the amazing choices you've made? Like mm. you've had like shitty decisions. I think we all have, but you know, mm-hmm. when you're in recovery and you're making these choices on a daily basis and you're also mm-hmm. helping other. You know, how do you celebrate what you've been doing? I don't know if a lot of people in this field actually acknowledge what they're doing. Uh, you know what? You're you're right. You know, it's sometimes I sometimes I forget my my like I said my my friend Cheryl. She was just she was just over here, and uh, <laughs> sometimes I forget all the good stuff we do. You know, sometimes it it almost is like default. You sure. know, um, but I forget like. You know, my wife and I have a lot of, a lot of conversations and, um, you know, we, 
you know, we try we try our best. That's another bit of self-care. Like when, when you both work at a job, like it's hard not to bring it home. Right. That's a, another, another podcast. <laughs> right. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. So we, we work on that, but, you know, we try to focus on a, a, a lot of the, like Cheryl said, a lot of, a lot of the positives and, and, but they're easy, they're easy to forget because it's just, it's daily, you know, where I'm just in, I'm just in position to say, help save lives daily. And it, it's just every single day there's something. And, and I mean, I just keep running. I've been running for almost 10 years since I've been clean right. and I've been just, I, I just keep, like I said, the doctorate, that's a whole nother level. I didn't even talk too much. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking triple what the courses normally are. Of course you are. Done. Yeah. I can't, I can't do anything else. You know, can you tell I'm an actor? You know what I mean? A little bit. You know. <laughs> so I'm taking that because I want to finish the doctorate in less than two years. They think I'm insane, but I just, it's, it's my, it's, it's my speed. So it is your speed. That. I, I got that. a 4.0. I'm doing well, right? I'm doing my dissertation and uh, in the midst of all the badness. So yeah, it's just, I got so many levels. I got to appreciate like all the, all the, all the successes and not oh, focus yeah. on, right. There's, there's a lot of people that pass away today. There's a lot. Yeah. Right. From my own uh, 12 step fellowship into um, especially my professional job. I mean, I deal with, um, uh, you know, hundreds of clients in pre-contemplation Yeah. Um, and, the, and the honest, you know, uh, the truth of the whole situation is like a lot of them don't make it. Right. And it's just, and that's just how it is. But I just try to save one and, uh, and I try to focus on that one, you know, um, and that's kind of what we do. And, and, you know, when we have those conversations, we work on, uh, talking about successes, talking about what we're doing right. Um, and I think that helps us, uh, you know, our own grieving and our own. Oh, yeah. The uh, secondary yeah. trauma of this yeah. field is pretty oh. high. So it's good that you, are reminded that and reminding other people as well. On a positive note as well, you write this book. I mean, you've, you've written three, and yeah. and that's going to come out in April of this year. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit how you got the title and what inspired you to do it. Well, this is this is how it happened. One of those moments. <laughs> okay, so I was. Uh, I, I have a great friend. He's uh, a colleague of mine. He's actually our, our SPHS medical director. Um, he's known as the travel doctor. He's a, a recovery medicine physician, right. Scott A. Cook. So um, me and him are always talking about good ideas. Uh, you know, we both have the same belief system to help mm -hmm, people. Mm -hmm. So I went up, I was getting a shower and uh, closed my eyes. I was trying to relax, take care of myself. And I just I opened them back up and I had this idea. I says, I got to write a book and it has to be about just not giving up on people. And it has to give people something new that nobody's ever done. Give tangible experience of how this stigma of addiction has warped my life and others. I need to help people in a different way. I ran, I got out quickly, grabbed my iPhone. I dictated this to Scott. And, and as soon as Dr. Cook heard that, right, we, we both like, we, we both like, uh, we'll say, we don't like some 90s rap, right? We both like uh, like Jay-Z. So I'm, I'm going to get to that. So I said, and li literally, this is how the title came. I said, I, I can't give up on people. I don't have, I don't want to leave an addict behind. And I said, yes, it's going to be no addict left behind. And we, like I said, we both love Jay-Z. So um, 
he has a song, right? Empire State of Mind. Right. So I said, and it's because it's a recovery medicine state of mind. And that's wow. how it happened. That is awesome. Just like that. That's wow. how it happened. Wow. That's flow. So, Great. Yeah. yeah. So that's how it happened. And, you know, it's uh, it's about not giving up on people. It's about uh, giving a person a tangible experience of my life seen through their eyes, you know. And uh, like I said, he's my co-author. And we wanted to give the most real version of the stigma in in ER. I overdosed and many times, and and I it was taken to an ER, and I was shunned. So I gave that, and I gave that very real. And I go into like give my perspective, and mm-hmm. Doctor Cook talks about some stuff, and you know, and, and we give that right. Um, um we also. Uh, give the perspective of I'm a veteran and um, mm. you know I always feel right I, I got general with other than honorable discharge because I, I use drugs and and I always felt like less than, than a veteran I got that scarlet letter right mm-hmm. and um, um, it just left me with this I didn't even know I was an addict right that was like 94 to 96 I, I was shunned mm-hmm. it was like the LGBTQ don't ask don't tell but it was for like it was like because I was an addict and so it's they got just its own dropped. stigma yeah they draw me off listen they kicked me out I remember I, I and they kicked me out and just dropped me off on the the interstate and I had to walk like 30 miles or something Jesus. crazy to a city I didn't even know I was an addict I didn't know what that would even be Bad, I, I right. about recovery or anything. So it's like no veteran left behind, no addict left behind. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I told you all about my mom. My mom's a yeah. parent left behind. My son, you know, who I, you know, early on addiction had me abandoning him, right? It had me just, it was like giving the orders. You don't have time for your son. I need you. And addiction would yell at me. Mm-hmm. I got that all in there. No child left behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and like I said, Dr. Cook and I, we we give solutions, and we have a chapter called "Solutions to Our Recovery Medicine World." Um, like I said, we don't endorse any modality of treatment, but what we do do is give some experiences of how we need to meet as practitioners, right. as parents, as as anything. We need to meet people where they're at, not where we're at. And we need to love them until they're ready to do what they need to do, right? I'm a social worker. It's self-determination is in my heart and it's a piece of my heart. And like, that's Mm -hmm. what I believe. I believe stuff like that. And he believes it also. And, and, and that's like, that shaped the book, you know, listen, Mm -hmm. I wrote the book in like a month. I'm telling you what, I in the middle of my doctorate. Of course you did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kind of my been... wife literally, I thought I was, she was gonna divorce me. You know what I mean? I was wow. I just and she's like, What are you doing? You know how the blues brothers said, like, I'm on a mission from God. I right. looked at her, I like, I'm on a mission from God. You know right. what I mean? I, you know, I'm just saying, like, that's just how it went down. And wow. I'm sitting there in the middle, I'd write like this 10-page paper, and then I'd go write. Uh, while on call, right? I'd be on call, a supervisor on call. I'd write like 10, 12 hours. It would be so ridiculous. But I'm I'm telling you, the magic was there. Mm-hmm. And I kept going. And yeah, I was tired. And yeah, there were sleepless nights. And yeah, my wife was mad at times. Mm-hmm. But uh, it got done. 
and I wrote it and I wrote like 175 pages or something like that, you know, and uh, it was just so it was like I said, it, that's that's what it was. I felt compelled, right? I mm-hmm. first caught a little obs- obsession, right? <laughs> like an addict, but possibly, time, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just that's how it happened. Wow. And uh, you know, Doctor Cook and, and 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 him, he helped me, and and we published it through like a, a really well known publisher, Scribe Media, and we've been like trying to market it and get it out to people. And because, right, like I'm not here to to. Uh, be famous or anything like that. I'm here just to help people. I'm here to be that social worker, to be Joey P, to be Joey Pagan, to be that kid on the sidewalk, to be that kid from the 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 Shalroy. Used to be called the Magic City with the economy, uh-huh. right? I'm that kid. Mm-hmm. I'm that guy that um I just want to help in this way. And and that's how I came down. And uh, you know, and, and like I said, as we you know come out April 25th. And uh, like I said, I'm all over the place in podcasts and signings. And, and and I just want people to know when they're sitting on their when they're sitting on their sidewalk right. and they're ready to do whatever they got to do, that they're not alone. And I want them to know that, like, whatever path they want to choose, whether it's 12 step, whether it's church, whether it's MAT, whether it's treatment, whether whatever the heck they want to do. Right. I'm going to love them while they do it mm-hmm. and when they're ready to do what they got to do. And I'm not going to stop until I help enough and help as many people as I can until I die. And like, that's my mission. And I believe you will. I, I believe you will. Cause you are definitely the recovery cowboy for sure. <laughs> and, and the place where you live is lucky to have you and I feel very blessed that you've been here on this pad podcast, knowing that there are so many things you're doing right now. My hope for you is that there's some balance and that you celebrate, right? Celebrate yes. what you are doing and the folks that you work with are doing because it's so necessary. And what you said about your mom, about being hope, you have become that hope you have become that beacon for so many and it's great to see and i would imagine it is pretty easy to find you can you let people know how to find you yes real easy i'm as busy with my social media as i am with everything else <laughs> um you could find me at my website and it is no attic left behind dot life okay. um i'm also on instagram grateful and clean and i'm also on facebook no addict left behind and i'm also joey pagano i'm on there i'm on twitter grateful clean seven i'm also on linkedin uh you can look under joseph pagano so you can find me on every pretty much every social media uh, my book comes out april 25th right this year on amazon.com well, wonderful. And, and it's been a pleasure to to talk with you. I'm glad we found each other so we can yes. get this going. And thank you again. I really appreciate you being here, Joey. You got it. You have a wonderful night and it's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Recovery Plus Podcast. Fuck yesterday, focus on today. I'm your host, Dr. Maylee Hennon, celebrating and honoring people in recovery one conversation at a time. This podcast is sponsored by Red Door Coaching and Consulting, and you can find my podcast on Amazon, Apple, and Spotify. Also, you can find me at my website at www.reddoorcc.com. 
You can email me at mhennan at reddoorcc.com if you're interested in transformational coaching. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon. Thank you.